pull up a bar stool. Man, oh man, this is the show. The show of all shows. The queen, Amy Porterfield herself. Oh boy, this is a good one. So this is going to be one of my favorite episodes ever. You'll, you'll see why it was a true conversation. At times it felt like she was interviewing me. It was so much fun. Um, it's not often that I have people on who we can talk about so many similar stories with Facebook ads and exchange our own uh, stories and you know what's working for us because let's be honest there's no one right way so uh, and she does things completely differently and I learn a lot from her so make sure you check this out so pop a bottle let's do it Hey everybody, John here from JohnLumer.com and John Loomer Digital on Facebook. Here with another edition of the Social Media Pubcast, where each week I invite a different friend to the virtual pub and we get drunk on social media. This week, more than a little thrilled to have on the show my friend, public speaker, blogger, podcaster, webinar and workshop queen, Amy Poorfield. Amy, how you doing? Good. I'm so happy to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. What, what are you drinking, Amy? I am drinking Pacifico, and I was—I know I mentioned this to you earlier, but I'm running up the stairs because I didn't want to be late for our, our interview, and I have a beer in my hand, and my husband's like, what are you doing? It's in the middle of the afternoon, so kind of fun. It's, it's actually morning for you right now, isn't it? it? True. Yeah, we haven't even hit noon, so this is pretty crazy. That's awesome. That's how we roll. You know how it is. Yes, I love uh, it. And uh, so I appreciate you buying into the concept. I'm working on, and it, and I've I've lost track on, on which beers I've had on the show, so I don't know if this is a redo, but I'm working on a milk stout, a nitro milk stout by Left Hand Brewing Company. Ooh, that sounds good. It's a good stuff, and and I'm looking at it, though it's a six percent alcohol, which might might not be the best idea on an empty stomach, <laughs> but we're gonna work on it. So no, I appreciate you being on. Um, I interviewed you last year, and so for we can put that in the show notes too because there's some really good background on you and kind of our history. But um, I, I talk about this a lot um, and like how important it is to have some help along the way to to get noticed and to help your business grow and whatnot. And I, I still look back to a really pivotal time in, in my business's growth was when you and Mari started sharing my stuff in as like October. So it's been about a year, whatever wow. it was last year. And that's when things really started taking off. So I got to say, though, I have to throw this in there. It's amazing to me that that was a year ago when you were just kind of first on the scene and we started sharing your stuff everywhere. And now pretty much once a week, I go to your website to get answers about Facebook ads. So you are my go-to guy. So I love the shift. You've done some amazing things in such a short time. So congrats to you. Thank you so much. And I mean, I've learned so much from you. And, um, you know, and, and I talk about, you know, kind of learning because I, because I, I, my first two years in this thing was, was all about doing uncomfortable things, right? Doing things you're not used to doing. Yeah. And, but I learned so much from watching people like you and Mari and like with your, your, your webinars and the way you sell on Facebook and, um, and a lot, we're, we're going to talk a bit, a little bit about this here in a little bit, but, um, I, I definitely take a little bit from, from what you do. So very cool. Keep doing what you're doing. I will. Cheers. All right. So 
I, I noticed you because um, you, you go on your little uh, promotion binges like every was that every quarter or so. I try. Yeah. Once a quarter. And I, I think we've talked about that before, because that's something I'm trying to adapt now, uh, adapt now because uh, I've got my training course. And I'm going to try to do that a new course every quarter. Uh, I think I'm still uh, stealing that from you, but you had, and actually we launched, I think on the same day, if I'm not mistaken. I know, you gotta love that. Um, but uh, you had a little workshop that you did on Facebook ads, and you definitely piqued my interest on it um, regarding some some special targeting and whatnot. So what was the secret here, that, that if you can disclose anything that you discussed in that workshop, which I know is now done? Yeah, so it's done now. I did it with David Seitman Garland and we it was a new model. So anybody thinking about creating online programs and how you want to do it, this was brand new to me in the sense that we created a two-hour live workshop that was recorded, but you had to buy your ticket in advance. And it was really cool because it was just different than my webinars and then my recorded online programs and all that. So I will say, just to throw it out there, I loved this model because mm. after the two hours, it was done. Mm. And we had and we actually sold the recording later on, but it was a really cool way to do an online program. So anybody just kind of starting out, that might be a, a way to get your feet wet because it was we kind of went backwards and did the big programs first. Mm -hmm. But I really love this model. So just something to think about there. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's 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 hang on that for yeah. a second because I'm curious. So how how big was that group? So we sold, I think, a, a little over 250 was the cutoff. 250 mm -hmm. was the cutoff. We sold a little bit more than that just because we let a few other people in. And then we sold probably, I want to say, 100 more of just the recordings at the exact same price, 147 huh. wow. And um, we were really pleasantly surprised. And I'll tell you this. It was a good maybe five or six hours of creating the content and we sent out a few emails and used social media to market it. And that's pretty much all we did. And when the course was over, those two hours were over, we didn't have to jump off and look in our system and see if we sold anything because we weren't selling anything in the workshop. So like mm. all the sales came before, we knew what our goal was. We knew we had hit it. We shut down registration. We had put the full sign up. We were done. And then we could just enjoy the training for two hours. I loved the model. It was really different. Hmm. So it was uh, two hours and it was like an interactive. Uh, yes. So you, I'm assuming you then went like an was like an hour or so that you presented and then there was hour question and, and answer. Okay. I did 94 slides and it was really, so basically the course was about how to create one Facebook strategy. That was another thing I loved about this. I teach a lot of courses and now you do too about how to do, let's say Facebook ads. Mm -hmm. However, this one was one Facebook ad strategy from start to finish exactly everything that goes into it to make the strategy work. And what it was, was how to create a page post ad to collect leads on Facebook. So it included how do you do a giveaway and what giveaways might work for your business. So I showed a bunch of different like eBooks and videos and webinar giveaways and how to create a lead page for that. Then how to create the ad and what the ad should look like and how to turn it into an ad that goes out into the newsfeed. So it was literally, it was almost painful to create because it was step by step by step. But now somebody can do it from start to finish, no questions asked. And then the last 30 minutes, we're all Q&A. Anybody could ask questions. Gotcha. So, yeah, I want to get to that strategy here in a minute. But I'm still kind of curious about the overall structure of, of this approach. Um, so so this was basically just like a, a two-hour webinar, essentially, right? Essentially, yep, definitely. 
That's that's awesome. Because, yeah, I mean, look, the, the amount of work I put into my course and recording all those videos and writing all those posts, it would have been nice to get it over with in two hours. I know. <laughs> it, there was something about that. It's just like I got off the webinar and I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm done. And with Facebook, because it changes so much, I don't have to go back and keep updating the updating. That strategy is standalone. Now, if something really big were to change, we would just email all the members and say, hey, there's a small tweak here, but I'm pretty confident it was such a, a in-depth strategy that it will stand alone for a while for these people that bought it. So I just thought it was a really cool way and it didn't have to be a full-fledged launch. Like, you know, when you're just starting yeah. out, that's very intimidating. You know, you've been working on your launch for a while now. And... This was a little, it was like a mini launch with a live course. I just really love the strategy. Yeah. And cause, cause I know you do a lot of webinars. So how do you separate uh, this webinar is free and this one's something you should pay for? I mean, normally like the yeah. free ones, you're kind of like, um, uh, teasing them with the product that you sell at the end. Right. Whereas this is basically like your product. Exactly. And there was a really big um, difference in the sense that on my webinars, you'll get 60 minutes of content, whether you bought a product from me or not. If it was a free webinar, you'll walk away with some good value. But then at the end of those free webinars, I always tell people how they could do more with me if they want to purchase a program. I feel like I've earned it after I give you know those 60 minutes of pure content. Mm -hmm. But for this one, because they bought it, we didn't call it a webinar, we called it a workshop, which was really important for them to make yeah. that distinction. And we sold nothing in that two hours. And they, it's so funny, a few people ask like, well, what are you selling? We're like, mm. we already sold it. So people are so used to that web free webinar model now. I love it, I think it's great, but this workshop, it was just different in that sense. So we were able to sell it in a different way. That's awesome. Cheers. Okay, so let's shift gears now to uh, what what those secrets are. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've been following you a lot and I know that you have this, this sales funnel where um, you use webinars, for example, other things to collect uh, email addresses uh, within Facebook. So you're doing that with, with uh, page post ads, right? Yes, I'm a little bit obsessed with using Facebook and teaching Facebook in a way to turn your fans into leads. I think that's the coolest way to use Facebook beyond building relationships and engagement. That's number one. But I really do think there's some cool things you can do with turning fans into leads. Yeah, definitely. So when you're sending them to a lead generation page, are you sending them to a Facebook tab? Or are you sending them to a landing page on your website? Where are you sending them? So here's the deal. I send them to both. I've, I've split tested both and I get pretty good results for both of them. But my earlier days when I was new on the scene, I would get so much better results by keeping them inside a Facebook app. And what I've kind of discerned from that whole thing is that when people know you, when they're your fans, they've known you for a while, they trust you, they're very open to going to, let's say, a non-Facebook lead page to give their name and email. But if they don't know you, what let's say you're marketing to non-fans, or if you're just new on the scene, you have these fans, but they haven't had a big relationship with you just yet, keep them inside Facebook on a custom app. And tell me this, John, have you noticed that, do you pay less per click <laughs> if you keep them inside of Facebook versus sending them outside of Facebook? That is, that is a really good question because that's one of those things where there have been some basic assumptions about it. Uh, and I've been telling people for 
you know, a, a long time now that, that that's kind of what that's, it tends to be more expensive to go off of Facebook. I, I just really have not monitored that closely enough these, you know, within the last few months to know if that's still true. Are, are you seeing one way or the other? You know, it's funny, months and months ago and years ago when I was teaching this, I would always see a big difference. It was always cheaper to keep people inside of Facebook. But over the last, let's say, three months, I haven't seen a huge difference that it actually meant something to me where I would change my strategy. So I don't know if they've changed something or what, but I haven't seen a big shift in the last few months. Interesting. And when you create those landing pages, are you using... Because I know you're, um, you you use uh, Infusionsoft lead and lead oh, pages. Yeah. So what do you use typically for your landing pages? So what I do, I actually have a cool trick, so I'll, I'll make it really actionable right now. So let's say that I want to create a lead page, which is, if anyone's new to all this stuff, it's an opt-in page where they give you their name and email, and they'll get in exchange a giveaway like uh, my webinar. Mm-hmm. So they go to the lead page, and I create that lead page using something called leadpages.net and leadpages.net basically allows me just to put in a little bit of information and it is done like five minutes and I could have a really well-designed opt-in page. And now lead pages change things. They've been really cool. They've been taking, I give them some suggestions because they know I I know Facebook well and they've been actually making changes and they recently made a change where now there's a switch you can flip on inside lead pages to make anybody on a mobile phone will redirect to a non-Facebook lead page. Because we all know on a mobile phone, you can't click on a link and go right to a Facebook custom app. It just doesn't happen. I can't even believe that's still how it is. (laughs) So lead pages allows you to actually drive mobile traffic to the lead page. Very cool. Yeah, I I, uh, I bought lead pages within the last couple of months when when I had a webinar. Um, that promoted this latest uh, training course, and so that was the first exposure I've had to lead pages. And yeah, What'd I was I was really impressed with it too. Oh, cool. It was really easy. And um, so I guess my one question for you, and and I don't know how, how many people this applies to, but I know that I I am now starting to use Infusionsoft, which I know you're an Infusionsoft person, and and um, so this there may be more Infusionsoft uh, listener uh, users who are listeners too. Um, so why is it you chose lead pages when you have Infusionsoft as well? And how do those two work together? Great question. I don't know if I knew you were already on Infusionsoft. Uh, that's-, that's official within the last week. Okay, good. So I thought, how did I miss that? That right. is a big, big step. So congrats to you because I know that's a big decision to make. Yeah. So Infusionsoft um, is, like John said, it's basically my email service provider. So it's a, a really robust system compared to, let's say, AWeber or MailChimp. But Infusionsoft doesn't necessarily give me a really well-designed, battle-tested kind of lead page, meaning lead pages actually has the design ready for you. So you don't have to work with any coding, any design, and they split test everything to make sure that their lead pages are high converting. Mm. So what I do is I use lead pages to design it. So I look at that more as the designer for me. I make my lead page look really good and then I literally have to do a drop down, choose my Infusionsoft list, basically the list that I want all my names and emails to go into once I get the names and emails, and it just syncs up directly with Infusionsoft. And that's why I love it too. Again, no coding, no design. Mm. Yeah, because I, I, and I had done that uh, connecting lead pages to AWeber, and that was actually it was AWeber 
plus go to webinar, I believe it was whatever. Was it, it was. pretty simple? Yeah, it was really easy. Um, and actually, that replaced. And I and I, I know we had uh, a back and forth on this before because I originally used Zapier or Zapier, whatever. I think it's Zapier. Um, that that whenever somebody, I I think it was subscribed to my uh, email list on a Weber, it automatically uh, uh, signed them up for this particular um, go to webinar session. Yeah. Um, so to connect the two, so they didn't have to confirm for both. Yeah. And um, so that's what I originally was doing way back in the day. And then, yeah, with lead pages, you could just connect them both and it automatically does it there. And it's awesome. Yeah, I do love it. It's a, it's a good tool. Yeah. So anyway, that's a little off base, but uh, I was curious. Um, so now you're so you use these lead pages to get people to subscribe for various things. So you collect their email address. Uh, so what's the next step then? Well, here's the deal. So in that workshop that we taught, I'm giving you guys a little free tips for um, what we taught inside the workshop. But what I taught was a strategy where you make a short video. So let's say a one minute video where you tell people about your giveaway. So I might say, hey, guys, Amy Porterfield here. I have a brand new webinar all about X, Y, Z. You don't want to miss it because I'm going to cover boom, boom, boom. So just tell them exactly what's in it. Click the link and I'll see you on the webinar. And that's a video that I upload to my Facebook page. So I upload it to my Facebook page and add a little text, you know, in the status update, something like brand new webinar, how to build your email list with Facebook. Click here and I have a link and then I have the video. So that's a status update. I turn that status update into a page post ad and the link in that page post ad goes to my lead page. Mm -hmm. So that's where I've had some really, really amazing success. And so have the, um, my members as well. I've heard over and over again, really great stories about the strategy. The video adds a personal touch. The video lets you connect on a, on a deeper level and tells people exactly what you want them to do. So it's basically this page post ad with a short, short video linking people to your lead page. And that's literally how I've grown my email list over the years. It's truly the number one strategy I use. Yeah, it's awesome. It, it's one of the things, again, I've stolen from you and using those uh, Facebook videos and with, you know, click that link below to, to go sign up. Yeah. And I use that for the webinar and I use that for the, for the training program as well. But, and I also split that. So do you also use unpublished posts to create variations? Or I do. Just... I've used unpublished posts. So basically going into the power editor and, and setting it up so that it doesn't have to hit my Facebook page. So you don't have like 10 of the almost <laughs> exact same post. So I have done that, but I still just, I get the best results basically from that exact strategy, not changing any of it. But I'll tell you, this is kind of a side note, but because we're both into podcasts and I know a lot of people listening probably are thinking about, do they want to create a podcast as well? I recently created a video talking about just one of my podcast episodes. So it's a podcast episode all about Facebook changes. It's not out yet. It comes out next week. But I made a video saying, hey, Facebook has made a lot of changes lately. I have seven of the most important changes on my next podcast episode. You got to come check it out. Click the link. I'll take you right there. So I'm actually using that type of video and that type of page post now to drive traffic to my podcast as well. I'm a big fan of like mixing up the media. We've got yeah. audio with podcasts, but video to get people to pay attention. It's been creating, you know, some really great traction with my podcast when I do that. So it's just another way to look at it. Cheers. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's a nice new little topic here, Amy. Uh, so podcast, and this is something I've struggled with. Um, 
and I know that that you're in those. Uh, iTunes has the recommended listening list, whatever it is, the hot list and whatnot, and, and you you've, you've made your way up there. And I'm trying to get there. I get a ton of listens, but they're almost all through my site because I have a little widget on the sidebar. Um, yeah. But so so my struggle is getting it on iTunes. And one thing I tr- I experimented with recently is actual you know, Facebook ads driving people directly to iTunes with limited success there. So any any other tips in terms of uh, podcasts and, and, and uh, help, helping me get up there with you? Yes. So I have no doubt you'll be up there soon. But some of the things, so you're right, we've got to get them over to iTunes. And I too did a test. I actually emailed my list and sent them right to iTunes. And people just don't like that. They get a little bit confused if they're not familiar with how podcasts work. And it just was not a good fit. So I totally get you there. So I do send them to my actual blog post, the show notes, where it has a link to iTunes. But do you have the iTunes logo on your show notes? I do not. So that sometimes could be a big difference where people know you want to get them over to iTunes, especially because you want those reviews. I recently heard, so John Dumas is like the podcast guy right now, and he's Mm -hmm. got Entrepreneur on Fire. And I am lucky enough to be a friend of his, and so he gives me all this great advice. And he was saying, you got to get the reviews, you got to get people to... Um, go over to iTunes and rate your podcast in order to that as a big factor in getting into those business top list and the new and noteworthy and all that good stuff. So a few things the iTunes icon, I think is important in your show notes, really encouraging people to give you reviews, rate your podcast and send them over to iTunes so they can see the big list of all the different shows. I think that's important. It's a bummer because I wish I could just keep them on my show notes on my website like that's of course where we want people to go but we got to move them over so really important i know mike stelzner does that a lot like i do go to amyporterfield.com forward slash love i totally stole this from mike stelzner and um people can do a click to tweet and tweet about my podcast that's helped as well too okay so that's uh so it goes to a, a landing page that just lets people uh, say, I love Amy's podcast. Yeah, it sends out a tweet and then it links back to all of my podcasts. You know how you've got that like kind of like a directory on your website yeah. where it shows the start of each one? That's basically where I send them. Gotcha. Really interesting. So anyone who's listening, make sure that you subscribe to, rate, and review Amy's podcast <laughs> and mine as well. And we'll John's. Get, yeah, we'll get that <laughs> in the show notes. Cheers. All right, good stuff. Um, so we were talking a little bit earlier about you know Facebook ads and kind of that sales funnel. So I, I want to get to that uh, real quickly. So you got the you have their email list because um, I'm I'm curious what your strategy is because um, you know I, I just wrote about kind of my successes recently with um, the ROI I was able to get from Facebook ads and uh, my fans basically. So. I'm so glad you brought this up because yeah. I got I got to say something here. Go. This is so cool because I use a strategy where I run page post ads to a free giveaway mm-hmm. and then I get their name and email and over a series, let's pretend I'm doing like a four part video series. They sign up for a four part video series. They get all four videos. Like I send them an email that say once a day for four days. And then at the end of that, I might send them another email saying, Hey, I've got this program you can sign up for and it's $97 or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I take them through a series of emails. So email marketing is a really big piece of my whole page post ad strategy where I create this funnel where I take them through an experience. However, you and I were talking about your big success with 
promoting to fans with your ads and driving them directly to a sales page where they're not opting in first. So right. you got to kind of talk about that because my strategy is so different, but both of them work. So yeah. I think that's interesting. So yes. what did you do exactly? So so basically I've spent the last two years trying to build as relevant an audience as, I, as possible on Facebook. So um, the majority of ad spend um, I, I, that I've, I've exhausted over the last, especially year, is focused on new fans. Okay. So there's been a little bit of promoted posts, a little bit of product sell, but almost all of it's just been on getting relevant fans. So I I found out recently whether the amount of money I've been investing in that is going to pay off. And it did. So what happened was, uh, when I released this new product, my new training course, I started, uh, kind of a promotional blitz. And the way I started it is I targeted uh, you know, one campaign at non-fans who had similar interests, who like pages like Amy's and Mari's and other people. And then I targeted people who were non-fans, but but they had similar interests and they're friends of fans and like all, all these variations. And then there was fans only. And what's funny is I created so many, I did so much split testing with the non-fans trying to find the perfect combination. Didn't sell a single course to those people who were non-fans. But the fans through the roof right i had i think for the because the overall spend it was like uh it was like 35 times roi uh but when it was fans only it was something like 50 times roi it was like a dollar 60 per conversion on something on something that was 73.50 when i was promoting it then it was during the pre-launch and uh so so that was like the validation right there that if don't worry about can I get two cents a like and 10 cents a like and all that stuff? Make sure that they are um, relevant fans who, uh, who, who could be potentially a customer down the road and then give them valuable content along the way. So then when you do sell, sell something, they'll buy it. So that was okay. my strategy. It doesn't mean that that I, like part of the reason I don't, don't do like what you were describing is just cause like, wow, it sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> so it just kind of ended up that way. But I'd love to hear more about what you're doing. No, it's definitely a lot more work. And I know that you invited me on the show, but I'm like fascinated with the stuff that you're doing. And I have to ask you a question. Sure, sure, sure. You had mentioned that you run at you ran ads to grow a bigger fan base. Mm-hmm. What did those ads look like? Because this is the number one question I get from everybody is how do I use ads to get more fans? So what did, did you do? Okay. So this is my secret really within the last few months, I've been focusing entirely on a couple of strategies. First of all, I find a lot of success with uh, uh, page like sponsored stories. So, which makes it really easy on the advertiser. You don't have to worry about the copy and imagery and all that garbage. The only thing you split test is who your audience is. And um, so, so first of all, I, and I'll get to who that audience is in a second, but um, so it's this, the page like sponsor story. And then I also have uh, a giveaway of my ebook. So the latest ebook that I did with uh, short stack. So get it, get it for free. Just click like, all right. And then so I, I, there are a bunch, I have like 10 different campaigns right now that are entirely built around getting page likes that are running at the same time. And, um, and, and five of them, I think are sponsored stories. Five of them are focused on giving away the, the, uh, ebook that goes to a tab, uh, a Facebook tab. So then I split it up according to different audiences. Um, and I use, similar pages and interests. So this was a strategy that I've talked about before. Um, 
where I accumulated a, a similar pages and interest list from graph search, which is really, really valuable. So I would do a graph search. It was like pages liked by people who like John Limmer Digital and, I love that. and, and Amy Porterfield. So it was a, cl- a, a cross between the two. But then I would say, okay, well, social media examiners at the top. Okay, so pages liked by people who like John Limmer Digital and social media examiner. Like, oh, there are a couple of new ones in there. And then I would also run searches, uh, favorite interests of people who like John Limmer Digital and Amy. It was always a cross, though. It wasn't just my pages, John Limmer Digital and Amy Porterfield. Because really, ultimately, what I was trying to find is new fans. So, gotcha. um, so I, I found a list of about, it was mainly favorite pages, probably 15 favorite pages and five favorite interests. So things like entrepreneurship, social media marketing, but there were like the ones that a lot of people like, you know, it wasn't okay. like some, some random one. And so th- that made up what I, what became a saved audience, like a saved target group, whatever. So I could easily plop it into a uh, power editor when I want to target that group. So yeah. that was, that was one target group. The next was um, a lookalike audience. Yes. So I, I took that. my yeah I took my email list, and I did a lookalike audience uh, based on similarity. So the top one percent, and then reach top five percent. But those are two separate campaigns. So I want to see how successful it was by uh, similarity and one by, by reach. And the thing is, as you know, like the larger the group, the the price goes down. Yes. So, so that doesn't always mean more, you know, it's going to be more efficient, but it's, it's, it's like the, the, my instinct has always been to go with the, the top 1% thinking that's going to be most successful, but I have found that's not always the case. So anyway, so I have these various campaigns and then I combine them as well. So, okay. So now I've got uh, similar pages and interests, plus they're also uh, look like audiences by reach or by similarity. So and combining all these things, it sounds complicated. Holy cow, yes. But uh, I've found a lot of success getting really good relevant likes for between 20 and 50 cents. And, nice. And for what we do in U.S., Canada, Australia, uh, U.K., yeah. that's not that easy. Like, I always find it because like, I, I posted the other day about how much you should invest in Facebook ads and and how much it costs to get likes. And someone's like, I get two cents per like. Like, well, <laughs> first of all, it depends on the country you're targeting. Yes, it, for sure. It depends on your your niche and all that stuff. I, I don't know about you, but for me, if I can get under 50, 50 cents, I feel pretty good. I always say that. Under 50 cents and I am good to go. Yeah. So I have a question. When you do these interests, yep. are you then targeting using precise interests and targeting by keywords? Uh, so, so those precise interests uh, are going to be those specific pages and interests. So I don't use the hashtags. Okay, gotcha. So no hashtags. You're either targeting an interest or a page, which means the hashtag doesn't come up. Okay, Correct. perfect. Correct. So because a lot of people don't understand, and it is confusing. When you use the hashtag, that means people who like something similar to this, similar to that page, or have mentioned something similar to that you know, in their profile and I don't want any of that. I just want people who like these specific pages and have these specific interests. Okay, I love it. And then I have one more question. I mm-hmm. swear to God, I need to have you on my <laughs> podcast. I can't help it. I just, this is so good. The page like sponsored stories. Yeah. Meaning you are running ads so that when someone likes your page, then all of their friends see that they've liked your page with an ad. Right, right. So, okay, gotcha. so and, and those page like sponsored stories are just, I make sure they only, 
uh, target the friends of fans who are within those groups, right, of the uh, cool. certain pages and interests or the look-like audiences, et cetera. Got it. Okay, I won't ask any more questions, yeah. but good stuff. John, you know ads so, so well. It's funny. You know, I have an ads program, obviously, and so do you, but when people are asking me, like, for more advanced stuff, I'm like, go to John Loomer. John's uh, more advanced, so good stuff. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> Um, no, no. So, so that's uh, two really different approaches. But um, I think what you're doing though is similar in that because, like, for me, I'm trying to get people uh, to become fans who are relevant. You're trying to, add, and in in a lot of ways, what you're doing is probably going to be more profitable down profitable down the road. You're getting people to provide their email address uh, to to reach them later and 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 sell to them later. Yes, but what's cool is that if if anyone's listening and wants to do these strategies, I think a really cool strategy to combine what John and I both do is one, let's say spend 30 to 60 days on growing your fan base and, mm -hmm. and using these page posts like sponsored ads or I mean page like sponsored ads and using some of these strategies John just talked about about growing a fan base. Once you grow a fan base, let's say a few thousand or more, then you can run ads to just your fans, and I can promise you it's so much cheaper. Oh. That I definitely know. Do you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when you run ads to only your fan base, any kind of ad, you're going to pay so much less. Like I'll pay about 10 cents a click to my own fans versus up to probably 50 cents a click to non-fans. So if I run a page post ad to sign up for my webinar to my fans mm. only, I'm paying like 10 cents a click and my end, the conversion's really good because they're my fans. So pairing your strategy with getting more fans and my strategy with getting more leads, they work really well together. So I, I really like that. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, and I found that with my webinar sign up to my fans, I had huge success. Didn't have as much, as much success with the non-fans. But, uh, and the other thing was, you know, and I've gotten away from this lately, just because I've been so promotion heavy and I'm really sensitive to that. I don't like promoting too much. Yeah. Um, but what I also like to have running every once in a while is, uh, Hey, make sure you sign up for my newsletter kind of, uh, and then send them to my tab for that as well. And that would be my fans only, but it's just a matter of having that Facebook funnel to start with, um, as opposed to like trying to jump out of that funnel or jump into the middle of the funnel, um, and skip the fan part and like, Hey, make sure you buy something or, Make sure yes. you sign. And, and um, so I have a lot of success for that as well. It's just a matter of like trying to balance when you do those and not trying to bombard your fans either. Yeah, totally agree. Cheers. So anyway, yeah, lots. I mean, there's, here's the thing. Like there's no one, <laughs> there's no one tried and true. And that's why I try to explain to people that like, I can't even say do this and it will definitely work. Because it's like you need to experiment and find what's going to work for you. It could be completely different for your niche and for your audience and industry and everything else. Um, it's just a matter of experimenting. Yeah, I totally agree. I could talk about this stuff for like five hours with you. So this is good stuff. And, and really, I, there are a couple of things I really want to get to. And I know yeah, we're already over it. 30 minutes. So let, but let's see what we can do here. Um, so the algorithm change uh, within yes. the last couple of weeks. And... You know, I I, tr I was uh, and I I've, I've done this more lately. <laughs> when news comes out, like I used to be like, ah, I gotta be first, and now I like to like wait a little bit, and because I, I really don't want to jump the gun on stuff, um, yes. and like overreact. And 
I think even with my post, I may have overacted a little bit to this algorithm change. So the, the main thing is that Facebook's going to favor high quality content. And they at least provided some hints in their announcements, what that announcement about what that means. The, the thing that most people take out of it is like you're, you shouldn't use call to actions and say like this or comment on this or share this and that you shouldn't use memes or low quality memes, whatever that means. Um, that said, uh, it's really not clear what that means. So it doesn't mean don't ever post memes anymore. And it doesn't mean don't say click like if. Uh, once again, I think it means kind of experiment and see what, what, ha- what happens. Don't just assume anything. No, I totally agree because I kind of freaked out. I teach a strategy in my programs where let's say you find this really great quote and you put it into a really cool image so it stands out in the newsfeed. And if it's a great quote, you might say something in the status update like click like if you agree. And it creates a lot of engagement. And so when I read these new changes, I have to give Facebook credit. They're getting better at giving us some information here. Yes. And they actually said, you know, we surveyed a bunch of people and we asked them about their these high quality posts. They wanted to know what high quality meant. So they asked them a bunch of questions. And one of the questions was, is the content genuinely interesting to you? Or is it trying to game newsfeed distribution, like asking for the like? Right. And and you and I were talking, and at first I freaked out, like, oh, I gotta change all my programs because I encourage people to ask for the like. But they're not saying you can't ask for the like. Yeah. I think really what they're saying is, if you're posting that and getting no likes, well, then that's gonna de- be deemed high, uh, low quality. But if tons of people are clicking like, I can't imagine them saying, well, that's not really a genuine post. I yeah. don't know. What do you think of that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, in my mind, what I hope they are trying to attack is there are some posts out there that are extremely spammy that get a lot of engagement. Stuff like, there's this girl who thinks she's ugly. Click like if she's beautiful. Oh, it, it, but ignore if you think she's ugly. And stuff like that. And... um where they try to guilt you into some sort of action. <laughs> and um, I hate that stuff. I've it, never seen that, but oh, that's horrible. It's terrible. And so so whether it's... Because this is my impression, and I could be completely wrong. But I, I think they are concerned about uh, things that have a call to action that end up getting two things. A lot of engagement and a ton of negative feedback. And my impression is that they're reacting to the fact that their current algorithm does not punish those because it doesn't weight the negative feedback enough. Um, Okay. That's that's my my impression. In the end, I always go back to, and we were talking about this a little bit before the show, but to user behavior and what users want. I don't think Facebook's really trying to tell us what we should like. Um, I think that there's, they're noticing something that users really don't like this, but it's showing high in the, in the news feed because they're gaming it. Um, I think that's what they're doing, but I don't know. In the end, that's just totally like agree. a guess, and your guess is as good as mine. You know, one thing that came out of this whole new algorithm and kind of what they're looking out for is they did tell us that they are looking at how frequently – Um, content from a certain page is reported as low quality and reported as low quality means people are hiding your post in the newsfeed. So the coolest thing ever is that we can check that. 
So you can go into your Facebook insights and I actually wrote a note about this because people get really confused where to find it. But once you go into your Facebook insights, you can click on post. And then if you click on the actual title of that post, like a scorecard pops up and you'll see how many people hid that individual post in their newsfeed. Yep. Doing this once a week and kind of looking at all your posts, take 10, 15 minutes. It's pretty valuable. Would you agree? I, I do. Uh, here's my problem with negative feedback, though. It does Tell not, me. It's not broken up according to fan and non-fan. So, Great point. So it's it, not. Yeah. So if you have something that's really, really popular, that's really viral, guess what? You're going to get a ton of hides on that, a ton of negative feedback. Um, and it's tough to say, well, I did something wrong. Well, it was also very viral. So... I just, in general, have a hard time with negative feedback until Facebook can tell me my fans actually didn't like something. Then I know mm -hmm. Then I know I should uh, react. But if a non-fan doesn't like it, screw them. I don't care. Interesting. See, I learned something new from me every day. I didn't really think about the fan, non-fan thing. I think it's important to keep into consideration. But I also think at least check out those numbers. Because yeah. if you're oh. getting a high number yeah. of negative feedback... There's something wrong. Oh, absolutely. It, so let's should, say if that post didn't go viral. Yeah, yeah. So you should look at a post, and if there's a ton of negative feedback and it wasn't viral, you probably screwed up. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but if it but if it was viral and it and it's like it's I, I've just found in general that the stuff that does the best is also getting a lot of negative feedback, and it's just tough to avoid. Yeah, totally agree. Cheers. Uh, but this actually leads to something complete, uh, completely new that everyone's also excited about. So on one hand, Facebook changes the algorithm uh, and provides hints that we shouldn't say click like for this and share for that and comment for this. And then two or three days later, they say, hey, you can now run contests in, the, in, the in your news feeds and, and timelines. Exactly. I think that, that those are connected because... Uh, first of all, people are going to be blowing that up and everyone's going to have a contest and it's going to overtake news feeds and it's going to be annoying and yes. spamming. But the other thing is, if we establish that that's probably something you shouldn't do and, and uh, maybe negative feedback and user behavior, I don't know, um, if you start punishing that type of post, then... It leads to monetization. You need to promote it in order to get people to participate in this contest. So I totally agree. I keep saying I totally agree. That sounds so stupid. I agree with you. <laughs> I sound like a California girl. I agree with you. But um, I, I have an opinion about this new contest rule. So like yeah. you said, Facebook is now saying you don't have to run a contest only on a custom app. You can actually say click like to win uh, one of three free appetizer gift cards or yeah. whatever. And so you can do these quick contests and once in a while, a quick contest, kind of something fun like that, especially for local businesses, I think is really smart getting people through the doors. However, for, especially for online marketers, but I think for any business, it's important that you grow your email list. You know, I worked for Tony Robbins for so long and what he said all the time when he taught business was you don't really have a viable business if you don't have an email list these days that will help you actually produce revenue over and over again. Mm. So what I'm afraid of is a lot of businesses that aren't completely marketing savvy because they're really skilled at growing their business and getting people through the doors. You know, we all have different skill sets, but if they're not thinking with a strategic marketing hat on, they're 
completely missing the opportunity to get the leads. So I'm not a fan of doing these one-off contests a bunch and never doing the third-party app where they have to give you their name and email. They get a chance to enter to win and you can send them emails and build those relationships. So I kind of am not too sure how I feel about this whole thing. I'm not loving it completely. Yeah, I mean, look, I I think it's it's not a bad thing if you're going to do it every once in a while to right. to thank your fans kind of thing uh, yes. and give something away and so it kind of makes them feel uh loved and uh kind of increase the engagement and whatnot that's good but if your goal is to increase your fan base and increase your leads and it's not gonna work um no. and, yeah so yeah you can't get the email addresses i mean there, there's so many drawbacks to it I, I i'm with you completely um i i mean look i'm not gonna say that I will never tell a client to do it now. I right. mean, I would have before. Agree. I think there might be a place for it, but yeah. Um, in general, it's not going to lead to anything significant. And it's the other contest within a tab that we, it may be a higher hurdle. You may get far fewer people uh, 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 providing entries into that contest, but you're actually getting email addresses that leads to something later on. Yeah, let's be honest. It's more work for sure to do the oh, contest yeah. and the way to get leads. Definitely more work, but everything that's taken me a lot of effort has always produced bigger results. So I'm a fan of doing the work if it means bigger results. Absolutely. And I think that's a a good note to end on. I've just asked the bartender for a tab. I will take (laughs) care. Are you done with your Pacifico? I've got like a little sip left here. I am like guzzling this thing. I think you turned me into an alcoholic in one podcast. I might need another. Oh, nice. (laughs) That's awesome. So yeah, I'll take care of you today. Maybe you can uh, get get, get tab next, next time. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, where can people find you, Amy? I am at amyporterfield.com and on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash amyporterfield. And I got to say, John, thanks so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun. I love when I go on podcasts and I learn something. So I appreciate it. Yeah. And hey, I love a podcast where I have a guest who asks me questions. And we have a true <laughs> back and forth. That, that was awesome. Thank you so okay. much, Amy. Thank you so much, Amy Porterfield. That was a heck of a show. Long overdue. She's been a friend of mine for about a year now, and uh, I've been looking forward to getting her on here for a while. So we mentioned a ton ton of stuff. Uh, Lots of information, some links, uh, just some general topics. Uh, Make sure you check out the show notes. And uh, really, finally, make sure you check out her podcast, comment like subscribe review do the same with mine too and uh man i hope one day we can have her back again because that was a whole lot of fun so hope you enjoyed it until next time do awesome things i'm out